Welcome to the fan pregame Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan, Ailish Forfar, Justin Cuthbert, here with you for the next hour before the big matchup. Tampa Bay Lightning in town to face the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Monday Night Hockey's got a couple big ones on as well, following that Edmonton and Vancouver. A lot of Canadian hockey teams in the media the last couple days, but maybe none more polarizing than Edmonton and Vancouver right now. Jeff Merrick will join us in about five minutes to help us tee up a big night in Canadian hockey, uh, leading with Tampa and Toronto, of course, at seven. Uh, But Justin and I, looking at uh, the way that the Canadian teams are in and out of the headlines, decided to maybe give them a little bit of a ranking system give them a criteria to mm. who is actually the closest the best hope currently right now to win canada a stanley cup which has been a very long time coming very scientific approach we took very scientific and very decisive uh there's no question if you're like just team canada you're just waving the canadian flag as opposed to having your affiliation be one specific team Uh, It's no doubt that right now the Vancouver Canucks are your team and and with good reason. They're second in the West. They're uh, currently uh, experiencing their best start in their 53-year history, best goal differential in the league. They've got everything cooking right now, and it is such a stark contrast with who they're playing tonight because if we did our ranking, and we'll talk about our ranking as we (laughs) we go along here, and of course with Jeff Merrick, who's going to join us in a second, the Oilers are... Uh, finished last and the Oilers are going through it more than maybe any other team in the NHL right now so it is have and have not at least with that game with Vancouver and Edmonton it is a team that is feeling oh so good about everything everything working even beyond what they would expect and with the Oilers I mean they're just trying to find something to build on so that's a huge game later on tonight and yeah it definitely uh, informed us on who we should be looking at at least in terms of vibes and good feeling right now among the seven Canadian teams. Our scientific analysis was on team vibes, what the expectations versus the results are, and obviously sample size is only what we have, uh, where they were expected to be preseason, giving some context to, you know, are they blowing away expectations, which is really the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, the player-coach relationships, because that's an important pulse on what's going on in the locker room, what's going on in those closed-door discussions that we only get glimmer, like little tiny looks into when they speak to the media. And then, of course, the fan base agitation level, which has been off the charts for a few teams. The, the, the province of Alberta is just, no one's happy. So like that one's got some real big agitation. But I think we're feeling it a lot here in Toronto now, too, with uh, the way the Maple Leafs are on a four-game losing streak. Hasn't been a pretty amount of uh, grit and snot that we've been expecting or been told we're going to see. So I think between Edmonton, Calgary, and Toronto, it's almost like a toss-up which fan base is the most agitated or frustrated. Uh, we always have our text line open at 595.90. You can power rank them for us, but which fan base is the most upset or up in arms with their with their the way that their season's going, and you don't even we didn't even get to Ottawa in that discussion yeah, because uh, they're on the cusp of getting into that discussion with the core four of angry teams in Canada. I, I want to throw Ottawa in there because I think they're the most fascinating team for a lot of reasons. When looking at what we looked at, which as you mentioned, the relationship with team with uh, team and coach, the relationship between fan base and coach or fan base and team, and we just saw over the over the weekend one of the more fascinating developments I think with the Canadian team or even league wide this year with Brady Kachuk coming to the defense of his own coach who was getting serenaded uh, by Mm -hmm. the fan base who wants to see him out of a job. So Brady's standing up for his coach. 
I don't know if we're going to see that sort of thing happen in Edmonton or Toronto and any other market where you might see that. But clearly, at least the Ottawa Senators have that sort of connection with Mm -hmm. their coach still that we question with teams like Toronto and Edmonton. It doesn't mean the fans aren't agitated, but it might mean that the situation is a touch different in Ottawa than it is in perhaps Edmonton. One of the things we we thought about when we talked player-coach relationship was how seemingly great things are going in Vancouver, right? A new coach, Rick Talkett coming in. He's a hard ass. Like, he wants this level of effort and attention to detail and work ethic every night. And look where the Vancouver Canucks are. You mentioned a historic start for them. And they seem to be responding really well to a type of coaching that can sometimes get pushed over the edge, right? Like, it's a, it's a fine balance, and he's a guy that's clearly getting the most out of his team. But there were a couple times where he, you know, called out his players after they got a hat trick. Uh, he sat players early on in the season. So holding them to a very, very high level of, of, of standard can go a long way. But when does it become, buddy, we're 8-2-0, give us a break, right? I, I just think you got to be really careful with how much you lean into that. But it's, I mean, who am I to criticize? They're, they're having, they're the best team in Canada right now. Yeah, definitely. The best team in Canada, maybe the best coach team in Canada. I guess that's a little bit more subjective. Uh, but when you're pulling all the strings and getting results, it's hard to argue, of course, with what Rick Tockett is doing. Let's bring in our next guest, Jeff Merrick, host of the Jeff Merrick Show and 32 Thoughts Pod. Uh, to me, Jeff, this is blood in the water night uh, on Sportsnet because we've got oh, yeah. Toronto and Tampa and <laughs> oh, Vancouver yeah. and the Edmonton Oilers, two teams who are I, actually I guess Tampa's not necessarily feeling it at least to the extent of vancouver but we have two teams that are in their feelings right now with the toronto maple leafs and the edmonton oilers so for you who has the better opportunity to devastate a rival is it the canucks with the oilers or is it tampa with toronto oh boy that's a heck of a question you know i it's funny too because if you look at like what i what i do at the beginning of every week is i I look at the schedule i say okay which game has the potential to be the best game and which game has the potential to be the most chaotic? And as I look at the schedule, the best game right now looks like Los Angeles Kings, Vegas Golden Knights on Wednesday. That looks like a beauty. But the game that produces the most chaos, probably Thursday with Edmonton and San Jose. Like if things don't go right for the, for the Edmonton Oilers tonight against the Vancouver Canucks, all of a sudden Thursday becomes really fascinating for all the wrong reasons, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Vancouver tonight over the Oilers. That will uh, in- increase the most damage on any team. Not to dissuade people from suggesting Toronto, because as we've talked about before, there's no such thing as an 82 game season in Toronto. It's 82 one game seasons, and we all understand that. I think I think for Toronto, it's not so much about the win or the loss here. Like everyone understands how great Tampa is. I think it's more how they play. And if either Klingberg or Domi or Bertuzzi or Reeves, if any of these guys can at least start to blend in with some of the skilled players and actually get something done. I mean, listen, Max Domi had that wonderful game <clears throat> against Tampa not too long ago. Uh, we'll see if he can repeat it today. But just as, as far as like putting nails in coffins here, the Edmonton Oilers have squandered. Elliot was making a really good point. One of his rare good points on the radio show today where he said every team's going to have about four or five clunkers a year, like really good teams, and that's just baked into the pie. Like every good team is going to go through that. Edmonton's already used up their clunkers. Like they need to play like a 750 clip now 
in order to be competitive and get in the playoffs. I, I know we're looking at the say, hang on a second. How can you be saying playoffs are, are slipping out of Edmonton's hands? It's only November, but that's the reality. And with goaltenders like this, can they play at a 750 clip? But then the question becomes, can Vancouver beat Edmonton essentially three games in a row? But you look at how Vancouver's playing, you might say to yourself, well, yeah, they can. So oh, this is a long-winded answer, Justin, I apologize. But I really think the answer is Vancouver. I think Vancouver can really do some serious damage to the Oilers and put themselves in a position they don't want to be in, and that is maybe being in a position to check notes, give the San Jose Sharks their first win of the season on Thursday. Oof. Okay, we'll stick with that one. Uh, Edmonton-Vancouver, of course, 10 p.m. tonight on Monday Night Hockey on Sportsnet. We were talking about Rick Talkett right before we brought you on. A lot of praise to a guy who is holding a pretty high standard to his team. So how much of an indication is that that a good coach can do so much for a team that maybe didn't have these expectations, that have everybody firing on full cylinders? And is this a eyeball emoji to maybe Edmonton and Toronto? Uh, I think Edmonton's disgusted. I don't know so much Toronto, uh, but it's a really, it's a really good point. I mean, not to take away from anything that Talkett has done. And uh, I know he went to the well early calling the team out in game three against the Philadelphia Flyers. I think a lot of it looked at that and said, Hey man, you might need these bullets later on in the season, but you're using one of them up already. Okay. And then interestingly enough, he used another one. Um, after they beat Nashville last week, and Elias Pettersson had a hat trick, and the first thing he said was, yeah, but Pettersson turned the puck over too much. And then he sat down JT Miller in the second period. It's like, I, I get it. I know he wants like a certain level of accountability uh, with all of his players. I, I just do, I don't worry. I mean, I talk to a smart coach, and everyone, they're all grown-ups here. I, I just wonder about how, how sage it is to use up these bullets so early in the season. Here, here's the one thing about Vancouver, though, <clears throat> and I'll, I'll put you guys on the spot because I, I can't think of another team that's like this. I can't think of another team in the NHL right now whose best players are legitimately playing the best on their team. Like, all the stars on the Vancouver Canucks, are elite right now. Thatcher Demko, talk about him uh, for the Vesna Trophy. Quinn Hughes already running away with Fenoris. Elias Pettersson looking at the Art Ross and maybe the Hart uh, as well. Um, JT Miller, all of a sudden, can you peak at the age of 30? Well, JT Miller looks like he's doing that, and all of a sudden we're starting to see the old Brock Besser again, uh, who finally, and we all know what's what's happened in, in his um, personal life with his father, you know, seems to be that old Brock Besser that, you know, we used to love, you know, snapping in goals seemingly at will. I don't know that there's a team in the NHL right now whose top guys are performing better than the top guys on the Vancouver Canucks. So I think with all due respect to what Tockett is doing, and I don't want to take anything away from him, I think a lot of this is the performance of their top guys. Like every single, like there's not one top guy on this team that you look at and you say, meh, just having an average season. They're all playing elite right now. No, they are. And I I will say, I think uh, the coaching has been elite too. Like it's one thing to pull the strings and maybe you got to pace yourself just a little bit when you, but you, pull out all these tactics and they all work, it's really hard to deny what Rick Tockett's um, uh, influence has been on this group. They are, however, riding quite the PDO bender, that being a combined on-ice shooting percentage and save percentage at five-on-five. They lead in both of those categories, which makes you think, okay, a bit of a fall is coming or at least some regression. So for your, in your opinion, for your money, what is the degree to which Vancouver is outperforming its expectations? 
Uh, I think it all starts with the goaltending. Like, I, I think if there's one area that's going to soften, you know, provided that Thatcher Demko stays healthy, I don't think it's going to be the goaltending. And the, the thing about PDO benders as well, like we've seen teams ride this wave all season long. Like we've seen the Anaheim Ducks do this. We've seen the Minnesota Wild do this. Uh, remember when Bob Hartley won the coach of the year with the Calgary Flames? We saw them do that. We saw, we saw the Colorado Avalanche under Patrick Roy, his first year there. Uh, ride a PDO bender as well. So it's not as like, I, I see your point that, you know, there's a regression coming here, but it, I don't think it should surprise anyone to see a PDO bender last pretty long here. Like it's, I know we've seen stretches where the shooting percentage and the save percentages are high. And then after a couple of weeks, it normalizes, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that it could last a season. Heck, we saw it last two seasons uh, with the Anaheim Ducks once upon a time. But I, I do think if there's one area that we can see the um, that we can see the uh, the PDO softening. That the one area is probably shooting percentage, uh, which will sort of normalize. I think a lot quicker uh, than the goaltending will. Like I, I think Thatcher Demko is one of the elite uh, in the NHL. Of course, like I mentioned, the caveat being healthy. Um, but a couple things. Like I can see it lasting the year, and what a fun ride that would be. Although I, I don't know about you guys, I like snarky, angry Canucks Twitter more than happy Canucks Twitter. I, I, happy Canucks Twitter just eh, I don't know it doesn't have the same bite. Like there's still some good snark there, but when the team is bad, Vancouver hockey Twitter is at its best. Um, but you know, listen, these are these are long-suffering Vancouver Canucks fans, so I I really hope they're enjoying this ride. Okay, well, on the flip side, you're getting uh, suffering Edmonton Oilers fans right now. Um, I know you talked about this a little bit with Elliot today and on the pod, but you talked about cup or bust being their mantra coming in, um, and now they're at a tough point to make that their goal. Is there a way to that pathway that doesn't include difficult decisions like a new coach or having to pay the premium for adding a goaltender? Is this team good enough in its bones and its structure to find a way through this terrible start to the season yeah it's 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 a great question um i think a lot of this i I think before you address the coaching conversation or the coaching issue um because jay woodcroft is asking the edmonton oilers to play a little bit differently and more defensive this year and for some players that's been a real challenge uh so far um so i i think before you 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 look to what's happening behind the bench i think you look at what's happening in the crease and like you guys both know, like when you have poor goaltending, there's a cascading effect that happens. The defense plays differently. The forwards play differently. The coaches coach differently. When you don't have, when you don't have faith that your goaltenders are going to make a save and teams start shooting balloons through them, it changes everything. You've seen teams that take chances, can play a little risky, can play a little frisky when the goaltender's riding it hot. Because don't worry about it. If we make a mistake. He's going to bail us out. And quite the opposite is happening. You know, there is zero confidence in this combination right now. It sounds like they're going to give Stuart Skinner a run here. Um, I, I think a lot of us, just because he's such a decent person, was really hoping for a better season from Jack Campbell. Uh, and you really hope that he can finally pull it together. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that cheer for Jack Campbell for a number of reasons. Um, and he had a really good training camp, and I think we all thought, okay, this is this is great for Jack Campbell, and that means it's going to be great for the Edmonton Oilers. Not so fast. I wonder how much faith has been shaken there. Um, and you know, it's not exactly like Stuart Skinner is channeling the 
the ghost of Terry Sawchuk here by any stretch of the imagination. So I think the whole thing begins with goaltending. You know, is, uh, is, is the blue line an issue too? Of course it is. Is depth scoring an issue for the, uh, for the Edmonton Oilers? Of course it is. But for me, the whole thing begins with goaltending. The question that I have is normally before you make any decision about a coach, you know, there used to be an old saying, and it's, it's, it's difficult now considering the salary cap and how tight everyone is up against it. But once upon a time, a general manager would say, before I fire someone, I owe them a trade. I owe them a trade to shake up the room to try to give the coach another chance with a shock to the system. Uh, I would imagine that Ken Holland must be thinking that right now. Uh, that has to be part of the calculation. The problem is it's really hard to make moves this early in the season when it's got to be dollar in, dollar out. I know some teams can do it, and I know that Ken Holland has always been a very conservative trader, but I, I think that you're getting to the point now where you can't throw away a season when you have Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid playing at their best in their careers, in their peak. You can't afford to throw away a season. So you might have to go into trade discussions knowing you're going to get ripped off a little bit. Like, what was the old, the old saying about Cliff Fletcher? You know, when you shake hands with Fletcher, you have to count your fingers afterwards. I think that Ken Holland is probably pretty close to having to go into trade discussions knowing he's going to lose a couple of digits in the process. Uh, chatting with Jeff Merrick of the Jeff Merrick Show and the 32 Thoughts Pod. I, I think one of the most fascinating threads, if you want to call it that, throughout the Canadian hockey uh, landscape right now is the relationships going on between players and their coach. And you just talked about Jay Woodcroft a little bit there and how maybe something is owed to him. I'm fascinating by the, fascinated excuse me, by the situation uh, happening in Ottawa with DJ Smith having so much attention on him. The fan base had enough of him. And yet Brady Kachuk, the captain of his team, comes out uh, in his defense and really, uh, you know, like more to the, than defense, like a human shield uh, for DJ Smith as the fan base takes shots at Smith. When you saw that and you were thinking about it afterwards, what did that tell you about the coaching situation in Ottawa? And more specifically, like how many players in the NHL do you think do that today? Do what Brady Kachuk did for DJ Smith. Brady Kachuk grew up in a hockey family. Brady Kachuk has only known hockey. He's grown up in this environment. He's, he's, he's breathed this oxygen. He's eaten hockey food. He's grown up around rinks. He sniffed Zamboni fumes and drank bad coffee. Like, he's watched his, his, his dad play. He's watched his older brother play. Like, he's a rink rat. Like, this is what he knows. Like, this is very deliberate and calculated and highly intelligent by Brady Kachuk. Like normally, like in all things, whether it's sports or it's politics, one of the things we always say is, okay, is it time to play shield or time to play sword? And what we saw with Brady Kachuk on Saturday is he played both because he came really close to having a good rip at the fans, right? He got right up to that line and then backed off a little bit, but the message was clear, right? And the language was strong. And I think what it indicates is, um, like we know that Brady Kachuk like, likes DJ Smith and likes playing for DJ Smith. Is, are things going well right now? No, they're not. Like DJ Smith wasn't a great coach, like stylistically for someone like Alex DeBrinket. Okay, that was that was a bad mix. Like DeBrinket, you know, likes teams that hold on to the puck more longer than the Ottawa Senators do. Um, that fits Brady Kachuk's style perfectly. Thank you very much. Kachuk likes DJ Smith. There's a lot of players on that team that like DJ Smith. The problem is. They can't win, and they're last in the Atlantic. And I don't think that you allow your fans to make decisions for you. 
Um, it has happened, and we think of Brian Burke, you know, uh, firing Ron Wilson after you know he had all the you know a fire Wilson chance uh, at the uh, at the Air Canada Center, and Berkey said like essentially, look, I couldn't. It would be inhumane of me to allow Ron Wilson to continue when that was being chanted all night long at him, and so that's why he made that move. Um, but I, I think that that was Brady Kachuk uh, both playing defense and offense at the same time trying to push back and trying to quiet uh, quiet the noise in Ottawa right now and by saying, like, look, like we're going through a tough time. Uh, we need as much support as possible. There's a lot of new here. It's going to be a new general manager coming, but we're still playing hard for DJ Smith. Even Steos mentioned this in his, in his opening and in, in his press conference last week. Um, this is still a team that is playing hard for DJ Smith. We just don't see the results right now. What does that ultimately mean? I don't know, but I think what Brady Kachuk did was he bought DJ Smith some time. Uh, Jeff, quickly, because we're just up against the clock here, but I want to get your thoughts sure. on um, Nick Robertson tonight, obviously making a season debut with the Maple Leafs. Is there more pressure on himself, on Nick Robertson, to come in and to earn and keep this spot, or is there more pressure on the Leafs to actually have him fit in and maybe solve some issues with the secondary scoring spot? you got to put him in a spot to score. Mm-hmm. Right, like I, I always hate it when they bring up a skill guy, and, and 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 all teams are guilty of this. Oh, we're going to call up our top AHL prospect and put him on the fourth line, where every time the puck is out there and you look at who he's playing with, you you swear that the puck has, you know, the the the, the puck's a rectangle and it's not a circle, right? It's like why? Well, how come that puck looks like a square on that player's stick? He can't do anything with it. So that always bothers me. Uh, the the main thing that I'm looking for here tonight are what situations did the Maple Leafs put Nick Robertson in? Like, if you're going to get the most out of Nick Robertson, put him in positions where the moment the puck is on his stick, it's off his stick and it's on the net. He has an elite level shot and he needs to be playing around players that can get him that puck. I'm really curious to see what positions Sheldon Keefe puts him in there tonight because if you're going to maximize Nick Robertson, that's the way you do it. Totally agree. I uh, like to see that he gets a good opportunity tonight because it's, he's had quite the up and down career. I'd like to see him stick with the Leafs for a little bit here, and I think they'll need him. Uh, Jeff, we appreciate your time. I'm with you. Enjoy some good hockey tonight. Lots of Canadian teams in action and some big, important matchups. Oh, this is going to be an awesome night of hockey. <laughs> like, seriously. And, and Boston and Dallas always have good games, mm-hmm. too. And Johnny Gaudreau just got benched on the weekend, and Columbus is playing Florida. Ooh. Like, we got four beauties tonight. It's going to sure be great. Do. Thanks, Jeff. We'll chat soon. Appreciate it. Jeff Merrick of the Jeff Merrick Show and 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Um, Nick Robertson's the story for the Maple Leafs tonight, among many, and we'll get into it in our second half hour here um, as we take a break after a little bit Bet Rivers, Nick Robertson time. Uh, mm-hmm. It's time for Between the Lions, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. I mean, he teed it up perfectly. You want to put Nick Robertson in an opportunity to score. Uh, that's what I'm doing as well with my Bet Rivers pick. Uh, Nick Robertson, anytime goals, plus 310 at Bet Rivers. It's going to be all eyes on him. I think that he's been having a pretty great AHL start to the season. It's time to see that finally stick with the Maple Leafs. Uh, He'll be hungry to get a goal, and they're going to need it. So Nick Robertson, anytime goal. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I mean, again, as Jeff mentioned, it's very, very interesting how they're going to use him. What his utilization looks like? Is it going to be third line? Hey, go fix it. Or is it going to be second line? You know, you got Tavares and Nylander. I think he's slotted on the third right now. At least that's what it says in the pregame. Uh, but so you know Sheldon changes things up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll get to the blender within 20 minutes with Sheldon Keith these days. So uh, we'll see if Nick Robertson can have that impact for the Leafs. 
and for you tonight. Uh, I'm on the nightcap. I'm on Oilers and Canucks. I want to bet everyone to score a goal for the Vancouver Canucks because that's just how it's been uh, for the Oilers in the goaltending lately. But I'll just go with the guy who's in the Hart Trophy discussion, uh, and that's Elias Pettersson. Anytime goal plus 120. Play a couple of those, though, and it might be a profitable night against the Edmonton Oilers. I love it. A uh, couple goal scorers, a couple Canadian teams in action. That was Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. Big one tonight. Uh, we'll continue teeing up Tampa and Toronto. Uh, that's at 7 p.m. We'll have that on a Sportsnet 590 fan in. Of course, I'm on a night hockey. Our next half hour will be a Leafs pregame show for that. And, of course, Edmonton and Vancouver, 10 o'clock tonight. I like that your question was blood in the water. And I think Vancouver, I would I agree with Jeff, has more of an opportunity to really dagger tonight for Edmonton. I really don't, though, think it applies to Tampa Bay. I mean, Tampa Bay was not happy losing to mm-hmm. Toronto. They said as much. And now they get to, like, take advantage being in this market, making the noise even louder around the Maple Leafs. I wouldn't be surprised if they're ready to go. Okay, on the other side of the break, we'll give you the lines for tonight. Leafs and Tampa. We'll take a look through the memory lane of Nick Robertson's up and down career he's up today 